This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Uh, Listen, we're going to talk right now about energy. Now, BC is fortunate to have an abundance of hydroelectric energy. It's one of our biggest assets, right? But is it enough? Is it enough to power a future that is filled with more and more electric vehicles? Well, that's the question that was addressed in a study done by the University of Victoria. And they're shedding some light on how much more electricity we are going to need if we electrify everything. And they're saying an extra 60% by the year 2055. How do we make that happen? Well, one of the authors of this study is Professor Kieran Crawford uh, from the University of Victoria's Pacific Institute for Climate Solutions. I had a chance to speak with him this morning about that. Well, Professor Crawford, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this today. First off, what did you start looking at here? Where did you start from? Uh, Well, basically, we were starting from today's electricity mix and and a, a very small penetration of electric vehicles. And then we wanted to look out uh, right up to 2055. If we hypothesize we get 100% of new vehicles in 2040 being electric, or and then um, the full fleet would be electric by 2055. We wanted to see how does that impact the electricity mix? What does what, where does the generation come, basically, to serve that additional load from the vehicles? Right, because that is what we're doing, right? We're pushing more and more electrification of everything. Do we have the capacity for this? Well, in the near term, it's not an issue. There's there's only a small number of vehicles right now. So that's why we were looking over multiple decades to, to look at the kind of extreme or extreme case in the future. So, no, right now we don't have that. We're going to need new build into the future anyways for population growth, economic activity, and then an additional amount coming um, because of the electric vehicles coming online. Right. Is there a point, though, where it does become a problem? Uh, look, it's not necessarily a problem. It's just we'd have to plan for it. So the, the real upshot of the whole study was saying if you want to deploy electric vehicles, you also have to plan to deploy uh, additional renewable generation because that's where you maximize the benefit of the electric vehicles, obviously, is, is getting that electricity from a renewable source. Uh, and our study was pointing to wind and solar being the, the main generation assets that would get built out, um, assuming we keep our renewable energy mandate in the province. Right. How much more do we need? So if you look at just, so if we, we did the business as usual case into the future, it needs additional capacity and beyond kind of business as usual, you need about another 60% or so um, to meet the electric vehicle. So it's, it's a lot, yeah. um, but it's not unrealistic. And when and you look at the, the additional um, energy cost to the, um, the price of electricity would only go up. We came up with a number of 9%. Um, so it's, it's not that much. And then when you balance that against the reduced costs due to not, buying gasoline and diesel, especially in this province, which is quite expensive, um, then you end up with probably a net benefit overall when you consider transportation and electricity together. Right. So that 9% number, that 9% increase you talked about, does that factor in kind of the cost of building this increasing infrastructure as well? That's right. Yeah. So the study was everything. So so building the infrastructure, operating it, any fuel cost you might have if you have like a natural gas uh, generator, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's all kind of captured in that dollar per kilowatt hour figure that that uh, that nine percent refers to right and so does this include site c because i think a lot of people think well we've got site c coming on board we're going to be fine yes <laughs> yeah it does so in the early 2020s we assumed that site c that large hydro capacity came on board and then going forward there wasn't any additional large hydro in the model it was all being 
made by uh, wind, solar. There was some natural gas, depending on your renewable energy requirements, and then a little bit of biomass, a little bit of geothermal energy that came into the mix as well. So you're saying we need to look even beyond Site C at this point? Yeah, we're planning for the future, yes. So in the, in the, in the very near term, Site C will add quite a bit of capacity, and, and it's kind of fine for the next five plus years, say. But then beyond that, when we go to larger, because it's going to take a while for the fleet to transition, so we have time to plan. So over the kind of next decade or so, that's when we want to be thinking about where is the, that additional generation going to be start to be thought about beyond Site C. Yeah. That's actually pretty fast, though, isn't it? Like, you're talking about five, ten years. I mean, five years ago, it's, we were still arguing about whether or not to build Site C. Yeah, so that's another point, that the, the wind and solar can be installed quite quickly relative to a large hydro project. There's, uh, It's easier to put up individual wind turbines and things and incrementally develop that rather than one gigawatt-scale plant. So, so that is, it's in the model. We have various build times to actually construct these things. Um, and, I, and I think practically speaking, it, as you think of wind, solar, um, it is it is easier to install those comparatively. Right. So when you look at BC's capacity for all this electrification, all these vehicles, all of our transportation system, are we better suited as a province to do that, do you think? We are. We are pretty unique. So we, we're lucky we start from this very large um, hydro system, which is inherently flexible. Um, so, yeah, we've definitely got a head start compared to, say, other provinces that are more coal dependent, that kind of thing. Um, so it is an ideal place. The, the province has also made good strides in terms of uh, vehicle charging infrastructure, that kind of thing. And then that helps attract vehicles and manufacturers here to, to offer their product into the markets here. So, yeah, I think B.C. is kind of well positioned. We don't have uh, quite the same weather extremes as other places as well in, in a lot of the province. Um, so overall, yeah, we're, we're kind of a good place to see this this deployment uh, ramp up. And when you talk about like electrification of the fleet, do you mean all vehicles on the road, trucks, cars, transport, the whole thing? Yeah, so this was, again, that's probably not going to happen, but just to look at the extreme case, yeah, we assumed all of ground transportation. So are the, the, the trucks and cars that you and I drive, the medium duty delivery vehicles, heavy duty fleet, we also included the, the bus fleet in there. Um, so yeah, basically everything that's, that's got kind of four wheels on it. Um, we we put into the model to see kind of how that would play out. Was there anything that surprised you? Like when you look at that and you go, okay, 9%, that, that's not too bad. Yeah, I think it, it's relatively modest. The other the other number we were able to compute is a, a, a dollars per ton of CO2 avoided. So um, we came up with numbers about 15 or $20 a ton. Um, so when you, you put that relative to the carbon tax and then kind of promoting this electrification of transport is a relatively cost-effective way of going after emissions reductions in the province. And, and in transportation in BC, is a, is a large slice of our, of our pie. So I think our, our study kind of complements the, the current government action around the 2040 um, ZEV mandate for, for personal vehicles. And this is kind of taking it a step further. What if you put that in case for all the vehicle uh, types? What, what would happen on the electricity generation part of it. Right. So given what you studied then, Professor Crawford, do you look at that and you think, okay, is BC well suited to go down this path? Yes, I think so. I think it did showed kind of we, we have the potential to do this additional generation that we need in, in a reasonably cost-effective manner. So, yeah, it's, it's a good news story, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much.
That's Professor Kern Crawford with the University of Victoria's Pacific Institute for Climate Solutions. He's the co-author of this study where they took a look at how much more hydroelectric power we are going to need if we want to electrify everything. If we want everybody driving electric cars, if you know transport trucks, delivery trucks, you name it. We can't do it on the system that we have now. So they've crunched all those numbers, and essentially they said we need an extra 60% by the year 2055. And if we spend the money on the infrastructure and everything, they said it'll be about a 9% increase in costs over what we are paying now. But, as they pointed out as well, there will be savings that come with that. You're not paying for gas anymore and the infrastructure that goes along with that. So if you want to weigh in, see me at cknw.com.